0: All right, everyone. Good afternoon. Happy New Year. Hope everyone is doing well. Um, Despite all the craziness going on, man, everybody's being safe and sound. Um, If you haven't noticed, I actually have a different background. It's because I'm back home in New York City visiting family and I'm at WeWork, which is a nice, cozy workspace and give you guys a break from the white um, wall behind me in previous videos. (laughs) So, again, I am Daryl Austin. I am the co-founder and CEO of Blurp which is a social networking app that's gonna be geared towards businesses to share out and push their monetizing content to get more business. And um, today I have the pleasure to interview the co-founder of Story the Brand and one of my great friends, um, Chantel Brumfield. Welcome Chantelle.
1: Hey, hey
0: Hey, hey. <laughs> Happy New going? Year. <laughs> Likewise, Happy New Year to you as well.
1: Um, you know, I must admit I'm kind of jealous because you know, I've been in a house The fact that you have moved from California, even just to be in New York for a short spell is like jealousy on top of jealousy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you you won't be jealous of of the cold weather. I mean, it's a little warm now in the mid 40s. But when I first got here, we had a snowstorm and it was like in the 20s and stuff. But it's a little bit better now. You know know, it's good to be back home. I don't
1: know. I may have because you know it's much nicer than probably looking at, you know, white walls. Well, you know, that's the reason why I create the backdrop so I could have something else to look at.
0: (laughs) Tell me about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) So all right, we're going to get started with our interview. And the first hot seat question I have for you is it's not even a hot seat, you know, just tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, for those out there that may not know what Chantel Brunfield does, where she came from, what she stands for. So tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Okay, so um, as mentioned, I'm here in California. I'm actually a California native. I was born and raised in a very small city called Vallejo, California, that a lot of people around the world are really getting an opportunity to hear more often because of E40 and the artist her. So they have definitely put us on the map. I am a graduate of Howard University and Stanford University. Um, My professional background um, started off in science and, you know, really in the medical space. And during the time as a scientist, I was kind of like in this space of battling, um, being creative, being smart, (laughs) and wanting to make money. And I decided to jump into my own pilot seat when I discovered a way for me to utilize my love for science and connect it to um, my passion for being creative and that's just a little bit about myself
0: (laughs) yeah we don't really see too many people that are into science into creativity you know that's kind of like a fox paw time. so we're going to dive into a little bit of that so you were heading down you were you were headed down the path of going to medical school and mm-hmm. then you decided to pivot into the business world and like you mentioned, more specifically into the creative space, such as brand development, culture, and strategy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why did you make that pivot and how did you do it? Because that seems like a very hard, you know, transformation to do.
1: Yeah. And most people tell you you pick something, stick to it. Um, right. so I guess my journey really started, you know, this is an important year for me in 2021 because. This represents 20 years ago, me making this decision to really uh, make the decision not to be a broke college student.
0: Right, right, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> And yeah. so here I was, moving from California, I learned to crochet when I was around nine years old. And, you know, during the time, I decided it was kind of cool to utilize my skill set to make hats and scarves for people. Originally, it started off that, um, like, during that time, everyone around here, at least in the Bay Area, was really right. into... Um, Gap and Eddie Bauer and wearing like you know winter clothing although a lot of people think it doesn't get cold here in the Bay Area it's nothing in comparison to actually living in the snow and so um, I spent a lot of time just creating had some scars and I really began to get this buzz Um, meanwhile I was a pre-med major um, ended up again starting my career as a scientist I took kind of a deferred year because I wasn't quite sure if I really wanted to go to medical school then and you know, um, but what it did for me with the science base is my, my focus is behavioral studies. Mm. I spent a lot of time pilot testing, big phar- pharmaceutical drugs, and mm. kind of doing case studies where we were working directly with soldiers. And, right. you know, what kind of came out of that was there there was a pattern of behavior. Mm. And when we talk about branding, your brand is your ability to really infuse yourself, or therefore, in my case, my passion being creative into what's being created at the end as the end product, whether it be a product or a service. And during the time, you know, I discovered this meaningfulness and making sure I find a purpose for that passion. Mm-hmm. And, during the, and during that time in particular on, on campus, it was just like, okay, I'm going to help people look fly. That's what I was helping people solve. You know, there are other crocheters on campus, but, you know, it got into a point where people knew me. And um, I think that one of the biggest parts um, that really just solidified my decision into, you know, being creative and being okay with that was Howard Homecoming. So everyone knows, and especially you're going to know really soon, right, right, Right. 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 about Howard Homecoming being the biggest thing that happens as far as culture goes, Mm -hmm. right? And so here I was, I had this budding brand, you know. During the time, a you know brand was not necessarily the term that was connected to it. It was just like this is my side hustle business, right, 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 <laughs> and I was right. looking for a way to really extend it beyond just like my, my classmates and maybe people on campus who may or may have not known. It was like these were made by my hands, right. and so I forced my way into getting into the Howard Homecoming Fashion Show, mm. and that really changed, you know, really this view you know, I would say this is the second time that, you know, number one was identifying this passion I have, and now moving into this space, I open it was an eye-opening experience in a way that how strategy and how brand strategy kind of connects in a way that integrates itself into culture. Mm. Um, and once I did that fashion show, I ended up landing doing, um, Bikinis for like the Sean Paul video. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing a bunch of magazine work. I connected with a bunch of celebrities and I ended up getting the cover of Double XL magazine with Remy Mond. She wore like just some crochet wow. door knockers. But what mm-hmm. that did for me is that no matter what, even to this day, when people hear, you know, Chantel, as that Ladybug, that mm-hmm. in their minds, they naturally connected to yarn. You know, because most people don't know the difference between crocheting and knitting, it's just like it's all yarn to them. So sometimes it may be, Are you still crocheting? You knitting? You still doing your yarning thing? (laughs) But the point of the story was that, um, looking at how you integrate your passion, which is yourself, into Mm -hmm. a purpose that's going to help people that ultimately leads to a profit, and that's Mm really you know, the, the it of it. And that kind of led me into the space. I'm going to probably take a in a minute, but led me to a space where um, I opened up a co-op in DC it was the first designer co-op. Mm-hmm. And again, this is like, again, the celebration of a lot of things for me. I just recently um, posted on my social, this photo of me being in DC fashion week in 2006. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, Maybe again just the thought process of understanding how far the thought process can go for your brand and what you're establishing.
0: No, this is like the ultimate rebellious path. You're in this, you know, pretty much foolproof career strategy of going to medical school and becoming a doctor. And you just like F that. I'm going to be a creative. Like most people would never do that. And somehow right. <laughs> you you walk into this by accident and you started building a brand for yourself, got into the H.U. fashion show, doing stuff for Remy Ma. This sounds like a Hollywood story. You know what I mean? And like somehow you was able to pull it off, man. And, you know, that sounds like you could write a book in itself on how to do that. You may most, have an
1: idea, Darryl. Yeah, yeah, because most
0: people ain't passing up an opportunity where they have an entry, a clear path to go to medical school and you mm-hmm. did it. And somehow you were securing your decision and, you know, that took a lot of risk and I'm glad you were able to share that with us. Um, yeah, because,
1: I mean, when you look at it, if you have the right foundation, you know, if if things were to go entirely left and I didn't get the outcomes that I wanted, and even still to this day, I can still go back because, again, I still finished all my degrees. You know, I did the work. I have a foundation. My knowledge base hasn't really changed, you know. So it just no, leaves absolutely. it open, non-traditionally.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely, man. You you are definitely, you know, one of the, the few um, who ventured a different path, you know, uh, in a, in a, a, against the risk-averse opportunity of going to medical school so you mentioned Mm -hmm. something about the yarn movement so tell us a little bit more about the yarn movement and what was your purpose behind doing the yarn movement for you know so that way those out there can know about what it is
1: okay so yarn movement is a global fashion and lifestyle brand that was really inspired to um, really help consumers value craftsmanship within their consumption You know, and it's based really on three pillars, one being biology, second being chemistry, and the other one being psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, Biology, because when you think of the name biology, it's the life of, and it's really the life of me as a designer, how I've gone from this space where I learned to crochet at a young age into starting this business freshman year of college until where I am now. Um, And then when you think of chemistry, it's really those built-in collaborations that happen along along the way. Because, as much as people like to say self made mobile and self, you know, mogul and, you know, right. self made millionaire, like that's not honestly true because someone opened a door, some probably, someone probably gave you a hand, you know, right. and at some point it was a collaboration that moved you into another process, whether it be um, a value that you picked up by something that they did for you some mm-hmm. knowledge you, ex- you know, like experience from a learning process is something that went left. Cause we could talk all day about things that go left, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and then that last part is the really the psychology is the it's the real true meaning of why. And for me, you know, it really directly puts me in a space that over the course of all of this time not only can I help consumers understand how to value craftsmanship and that's an important conversation too, because We're living in a a time where everything is kind of like, you know, click of a button, Mm. nuke it. You know, anyone can go online, pick a t shirt, pick a design that you want, and Mm. have it delivered. And depending on what service you're going through, it could be delivered that day. Yeah. So the challenge with that is that for myself and other designers who are in the handcrafting community or just designers who are all about that you know, couture or even just cut and sew, whatever it may be, mm. that we put our heart and soul into things that we create. And so when I'm showing people, you know, like the value of, okay, why should you buy a, a beanie from me versus buying one from the store? Well, that was done by machine. I go out and I personally hand select yarn as being used. You know, I'm making something that's geared towards you. You know, yeah. that is going to make you look fly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and it's done in a way where it's a trickle-down effect. It's just you purchase from me, you're helping something else happen. You know? And so for that, I even also begin to start showing other artisans how they can come in and do the same thing, not necessarily follow my footsteps if if it's, you know, doesn't really fit into where they plan on going, but yeah. just showing that there, there's other things. Um, There's something I can bring up that I just kind of mentioned before about uh, DC Fashion Week.
0: Yeah.
1: Another eye-opener. Here we are with this co-op and we are kind of battling everyone going to Fashion Week in New York, going to trade shows in New York and buyers purchasing that way. And then everything was being brought back down to department stores and boutiques in DC. And here we are like 12 local designers all in this co-op together and we're getting ready to do this show and invite buyers. So mm-hmm. here I am during that time, I was doing, you know, mostly one-offs, couture pieces. And there were a lot of buyers who were interested in my pieces, whether it being the swimwear or, you know, some of like just the out- outerwear pieces from jackets and coats, whatever was put in the show. Like I was doing right. jumpers and all kinds of stuff. Right. And a buyer, um, they're like, oh, so our deliverable is 200 pieces, mm. right? And then immediately opened my eyes to let me know that I was treating my business as a hobby during that time, even though it was a business. Right. And it made me open up to understand the different diversified ways to really open up business. So I started mm-hmm. pattern making. I started teaching. Um, I was licensing all my patterns to larger luxury brands mm-hmm. because they were dealing with manufacturers. So I can give them the design. They can get them made, but they'd have to license it from me. And so, being in a space for yarn movement for me, that's why I started this budded part of it to help artisans on not the retail side, but on the side of developing your brand. And it's called Addiction by Yarn Movement. Because if you're a hand crafter or you're, if you're creating something, you almost have an addiction for what you're doing, and mm-hmm. your clients become your addicts. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, this story is unbelievable, man. From med school to DC Fashion Week <laughs> to create to, to craftsmanships with, you know, creating clothes and fantastic fashion by hand. Like, this is crazy, man. Like, I haven't met a person like this. This sounds like something out of a book um, that I can't relate to, but I'm glad I know somebody such as yourself who was able to do all these fantastic things. And I'm just really grateful, you know, that you shared, you know, about your journey pivoting from medical school to fashion to... The yarn movement and, and all the different passions you have—that's awesome, Chantel. So now we're going to get into, you know, Howard University. You know, the profile is about to explode right now. It's always been the—it's H- <laughs> always, it's always been the mecca, you know, of HBCUs. I know, mm-hmm. arguably, other folks may say otherwise, but for this conversation, because you're an alum, we're going to stick with that. So, <laughs> you know, I see that you're an alum from there, and which mm-hmm. is the same as VP Kamala Harris. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience attending, attending Hu and how has that experience helped you throughout your career up to this point in your life?
1: So I'll say this, um, going and attending Howard University was one of the best decisions I ever made um, for several reasons, but I'll boil it down to two for the sake of this conversation. Howard University is where I learned the meaning of lift as you climb. Um, Going into the school, you know, people always ask "Where was it a culture shock going to all black college? Um, And for me, I would say that the most shocking experience probably for me was the fact that, you know, here I come from this small city. I went to mostly a predominantly white high school. I graduated in a top percentile. And as I continue to go through the higher level of education within high school, the less of us that you'll see present. So I'm one of one in most classes, one of two. And here I am, I land myself in this university where everyone around me, it seemed like that I spoke to, had that same journey that all landed us all in the same place. Mm. That in itself immediately convicted my spirit, mm. you know, because I felt comfortable. I didn't feel a need to code switch that I can speak exactly how I want it to. Um, You know, when you walk on the campus, there's just a feeling that you get that you're amongst your ancestors. Mm. You know, it's the richest soil you can pretty much be on. You know, when you walk into the middle of the yard, you're standing right in front of Founders Library. you know, that's a location where Mm. they were doing the research and deliberations for Brown Board versus uh, Board of Education You know, you have the Elaine Locke building where we all know him to be a a pivotal part of culture Mm -hmm. and, you know, holding to the reporting in the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have Douglas Hall, then, you know, it's just this commemoration and it's all centered around a flagpole. And then you have, you know, pretty much everyone who kind of comes there, although the different colleges are kind of like all centered around um, for the entire university, that is kind of like the location where you come and you're welcome home. You feel it. Yeah. And so that's what it has meant for me. And career-wise, when you have the ability of saying HU, it's always a you know. That you know is that process of letting you know, you got people backing you, no matter what. Mm -hmm. That is your forever, you know, you know, joker wild card that you can carry around with you. Given the fact that already, although you showed up for the first time, probably in most of our lives, and I could just talk for myself, that Mm -hmm. showed up 100% alive in the moment. And being on campus and going through the four years, and going through the programming and going through the adversity, because there are adversity you deal with. You're, I mean, you pretty much are growing up yeah. at college, you know? And for me, here I am on the other side of the world, I felt like, you know? <laughs> and you just build bonds that last forever. And you can always call folks, you can um, always know that you're not alone and that's meaningful.
0: Mm. Oh, that's terrific. See, when you was talking about the Founders Library and all of that, I, I actually felt like I was there walking the campus, even though I have no idea what it actually feels like being there. But when you was talking about the energy and all of that, nah, that's 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 interesting that you still can go back to that, you know, after all these years of your experience there. And, you know, that, that's awesome, man. And, you know, Howard University is, is second rate to no one. You know, it's the first rate institution, it can compete with the best of them with the Harvards and the Stanfords of the world. So with that being said, I have to ask this question. So you also graduated from Stanford. So um, that's, that's, and it's right. It's one of the top three institutions in the world um, in, in, in everything. So tell us about, you know, a compare and contrast between Stanford and Howard.
1: Because I attended Howard first, um, and just let's just break down even just how it all happened so mm-hmm. I walked in Howard with enough credits to be a sophomore so I actually finished my program at Howard in two years mm-hmm. and I just decided to pick up additional so I was a biology chemistry major minor in math pre-med of course and so I just finished out the full chemistry degree at um, Stanford mm-hmm. but I would say that because I was already energized and I discovered my confidence in who I am to show up in every space that I go to a lot, that it made my experience at Stanford different, I think, from probably most people who didn't go through that path. And so here I am, I was very um, focused and understood um, why. Mm -hmm. And I think that in in both sides of it, it was a well-rounded experience just to have on both sides having, you know, both sides of the, the education piece and having the experience of being on a large campus that has a D1, you know, yeah. <laughs> D1 sports program. My older cousin actually was on the basketball team. So I also had that element of being able to go to Stanford basketball uh, games and football mm-hmm. games yeah. and just being present, present in what most people only can experience from either the outside right. or, you know, on something you see on TV. Uh and that's actually you know um I don't want to get too far off course but that's actually where I was able to um really bud my interests around audio and um tv film projects because I was working for Sony Sound Forge as an intern while I was there well interns don't normally get paid but I'll get paid really well yeah yeah, no absolutely
0: (laughs) Nah, that's great, man. And I like the, you talked about the confidence factor that Howard gave you and prepared you to go into Stanford. You know, I definitely felt Mm -hmm. the same thing going to my HBCU from undergrad. And it prepared me for my first master's degree at NYU, dealing with a larger campus, dealing with, you know, folks that got unlimited resources. And Mm -hmm. it prepared me to deal with all those different walks of life. So I definitely can relate to you dealing, dealing with the family atmosphere to a larger than life real world atmosphere so no totally get
1: it and it's still a family atmosphere at at stanford but it was more like isolated so um you know there was different programming so now i'm back to a space where it was a need for bsu um you know where i stayed in you know uj which was ujma is like the black dorm on campus Mm -hmm. you know Um, you know, it was, it was also like a, a great experience because all of my contacts and, you know, connections that I made school, you know, within school and within that experience still mm-hmm. play out today. You know, I could say, you know, who can really say that they had classes with Issa? Me. Right. You know, Jadena was on campus too. We were all mm-hmm. cool. Like, you know, um, my business partner now, we have a full out business from a connection that we made then. Mm. So... It's just, you know, it's different in a way, but it still all plays out the same for me because, again, in my mindset, it's connect, lift as you climb, and figure out what you can do for each other to help each other get to the next step. No,
0: absolutely. And I I love that lift as you climb, and that's going to help us pivot now into Story to Brand. So you're the (laughs) co-founder of Story to Brand. Just tell us a little bit more how Story to Brand helps small business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, Um, make a a dent in the world and and play big in the game. I'm very familiar with Story to Brand, um, but I want you to tell those out there who may not be familiar with Story to Brand.
1: Okay, so Story to Brand um, helps businesses, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits craft the best story um, to tell in person, online, and on paper. That's going to best connect them to their audience. For me, where I come in is that, you know, my background is in behavioral studies and research. So I use the science of behavioral studies to help train the mindset of these business owners, founders, and nonprofits to understand how they're gonna position themselves to not only connect with their ideal audience, but also Mm -hmm. how they're gonna engage, educate, enrich the experience of their brand Um, to for business owners connect with more clients to, you know, patronize their business for entrepreneurs to be in a space where, you know, they're utilizing their story a lot more to really connect to the culture Um, Mm -hmm. and nonprofits to be in a space of conveying the right message that's going to lead them to what they care about most, which is really generally around donations and donors and cultivating those kind of relationships so they can really, really get to a place
0: where their mission is driving home for them now that's awesome so all you small businesses out there and entrepreneurs <laughs> that are black and brown and you're kind of lost in your direction as far as what niche you should go into how to how to target your customer base please check out Chantel brumfield story to brand you can google it um mm-hmm. she'll get you right i can definitely co-sign that she's definitely helped me find direction within my business endeavors and with blurb and helping us get to the next step You can't do this alone. You need help. So, her and her business partner would definitely get you guys going in the right direction. And you can thank me later. Cool. (laughs)
1: Thanks, (laughs) Sarah.
0: So, although, yeah, no, absolutely. Got to definitely shout you out. Um, So, with all the work and the hustling and the projects that you have going on, you know, how do you manage your work life balance with your family? Um, as well as your business and any helpful tips that you can provide will be greatly helpful. will be, you know, very helpful to the community out there and for other folks out there, because that's the one constant that's been a struggle with work-life balance. So just, you know, if you have some tips that'd be great if you could share that with us.
1: Okay. So number one thing I would say about balance and just the term that we define as balance is ever changing right? Because the world is changing, the world is turning. So, you know, there are things that have to change. For me, my number one thing that I always recommend is creating a plan. Mm. You know, not only just one plan, because I think, I think that sometimes when you hear have a plan that it's like, there's supposed to be this one size fit all plan that's going to help you throughout life. and I just don't find it to be the case for myself and and most likely for other people, if we were to really be honest. So literally having a plan for your health, having a plan for how you're going to promote self-care for yourself, you know, how are you gonna be, you know, show up for your family and be there, be support that you need to be. Um, And then ultimately, I always like to keep business last because for me, business is, you know, a gift. It's something that we're able to do if we're doing it properly. We're helping Mm -hmm. people. And, you know, in order to get to a place where you can help people, you have to be in a position where you can. So if you need help, you know, and not necessarily in the business that you're offering, but if you just need help in your own personal life, you should get right before you begin to bring that energy into what you're working on. So. Ultimately, I would say planned. And, you know, even if you go check me out on my LinkedIn or even yeah. on any of my social, you always see me say PPP. And this is before Paycheck Protection Program even came around. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> the PPP yeah.
1: for me stands for passion, purpose, and plan. Because oh. the planning part of it just is the planning part of it is key. Because if you have a plan, then you'll know how to strategically move forward on things, you know, where you're planning on heading. You know, and again, that plan is going to change because how often do we have a plan, even for our day? And then we get caught up on a phone. You know, technology Mm -hmm. isn't working really great for us, and it just throws everything off. But you know, if you're keeping to that plan, you know, you'll hit it right. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're not trying to be outrageous, like, hey, the plan for today is to do this one thing.
0: So I I think that's plan. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I I think that's very important that you mentioned plan for your health. I think as social media and the internet evolved, I think a lot of us started to realize as we got into the lives of our favorite celebrities and people we look up to and business people, Mm -hmm. you know, I think us understanding that you got to plan for your health. I think that's very paramount now, you know, you just can't get up, be a genius, make everything work without taking care of yourself. And you know, and even for me, for my first few years out here, out in Silicon Valley, you know, I didn't have any reference to folks on how they manage their day. I just thought they were brilliant and they just came up with these great ideas and they worked tirelessly to mm-hmm. bring it out into the world. But that's so not true. And you definitely have to take, you know, stock of your physical health as well as your emotional health and your mental health. So I'm really glad you say you have a plan for your health. And that's something I've been cognizant of doing you know the last few years and i'm just really glad to hear that because that's going to make a difference in other people's lives as far as this is not a this is not a race it's a marathon so exactly
1: and i think that if if people didn't know that already they definitely know after experiencing this pandemic because you know you could have been on this job and you're on this track of success and pandemic hit and the company that you were working for had to shut down Yes. You know, many people, I think that, um, especially for story of we were able really, um, able to really, um, flip mindset because, you know, entrepreneurship is really about mindset yeah. of just telling people, Hey, this, this your, this is maybe your opportunity to go after what you're really passionate about.
0: No, absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on a COVID point. Um, so I know you got to run soon. So we just got a few questions left. Okay. <laughs> um, so now, in addition to the well-being, you know, I want you to talk about what are some of some tips and strategies that you can share to help others to maintain stability and peace within themselves during these challenging times. So you touched on planning your health. Are there any other things you do, such as meditating, you know, affirmations, whatever, just to share a couple if you don't mind.
1: Um, so the number one I think I do is I roll yarn balls, <laughs> which sounds so simple. However, um, because I am a creative mind, because I'm thought process, I have a big idea, like I feel like every two seconds, that just rolling yarn and a repetition allows my brain to settle up
0: hmm.
1: and refocus, recalibrate to a point that, you know, one of the things about creating plans is that at some point you're, you're going to need to hire someone to help you you know, or be able to have interviews like this where you can explain exactly what you're doing. And really, nobody really wants to talk to a scatterbrain because, you know, if you haven't found a focus of how you're going to address the things that you want to address, how are you going to put that energy on someone else? And so again, just the mechanism of just the repetitiveness of rolling yarn really does this, is that it takes the, the thoughts and connects it with an action that allows you to focus and that's what i do and it keeps me very focused you know even when i'm like having um like some of my board meetings or just being around different energies which you know we all get an opportunity experience because so much is on digital platforms now that i literally have yarn all over all over the place like next to me and i just roll yarn and sometimes i end up doing it there because i just feel myself you know, and I need to calm it down as far as thoughts, because I don't want to take over people's meetings. I don't want right. to, you know, be in excess energy. And so I calm it down first before I respond.
0: Not awesome, man. It's definitely, you know, it's definitely very zen-like, a lot, very, you know, mindfulness and being mm-hmm. present in what you're doing. And, you know, kind of my my thing is I play chess, you know, Uh keep me in a moment with strategy. I I stay losing to the computer on level five. (laughs) But you know what? It keeps me, you know, sharp and uh, a myself. So so I definitely appreciate you sharing that process with the yarn balls.
1: Yeah, yeah, and one other part of it is that um, to do it solo is cool, but it's also very fun and engaging to do what I call healing circles
0: Mm. where
1: everyone in the circle is kind of rolling balls together because... Honestly, you never know what people what people are actually putting off as far as, you know, what they're actually going through internally. Mm-hmm. And again, the same thing that it does with the mind allows it to do with your body and you have an escape that you don't necessarily have to verbalize. You can just put right. it in the yard ball.
0: Awesome, man. I love that tip with getting others involved, especially during this time, because you can uncover things and figure out similarities with what other folks are going through. No, appreciate exactly. that. So, you know, with everything going on with COVID and those that have been impacted by job losses, as you mentioned, and is possibly exploring entrepreneurial options, what advice mm-hmm. do you have for those wanting to pursue that as an option at this moment in time today?
1: Number one thing I would say is identify your passion. If you had can put yourself in a space where you can identify your passion, that is truthfully the reason why you do what you do so well. So This could show up in a space where people tell you, you are a great cook. Um, You really create, you know, cards or whatever the business may be. And you just do it as a a hobby. You really enjoy it though, but you haven't quite figured out a way to connect it to a purpose. Um, And that purpose can be utilized and it should be aligned with a way that you're gonna help people. And when you connect your passion to a purpose that's gonna help people, it'll lead to a profit. And then when you're in that space, that's how you know you have a great business idea. And you should probably call me instead of a 15 minute alignment call so I can help you walk through it to make sure that it really like makes sense for you.
0: Now That's awesome. And I'm glad you walked us through how to find your passion and how to turn that into a profit. Because oftentimes, you know, the folks that have already made it, the first thing they say is, hey, do you want to get rich? Or have a life like no one has, find your passion, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you never have to work a day in your life, but there's so many layers involved with that. And I'm glad you kind of gave us those, you know, roadmaps real quickly on how to get there. But if you need help with that, for those out there, check out Story the Brand with Shelton Brumfield. She'll get you right, going in the right direction, I promise you. All right. So um, what other entrepreneurial projects that we should be on the lookout for, you know, that you may have up your sleeve?
1: Okay, so yes, so at the top of our interview, I mentioned the three pillars of yarn movement, the last being psychology. That's really the reason why. And really, my my reason why is connected to a nonprofit. I have a nonprofit called Believe in What You Dream. Mm. Um, Believe in What You Dream has a mission of helping young girls discover their superpowers. Mm. Uh, superpowers for me could be confidence, awareness, you know, capability, um, whatever that you know, adjective verb it is that's being used to describe the moment that a girl is in. Um, I utilize three different aspects um, through a workshop to really get them to a place where they can make this discovery. I mean, because you can be in, you know, space all day, every day where people say, oh, follow your dreams, because that's something that hit, hits true for my journey, especially in the beginning. But I don't know about you, but last time I checked, Even when people say that, it's not like you are given like this manuscript of what steps to follow. You know, it it requires a process of you taking action, failing, having success, and putting yourself in position to have confidence to keep on moving forward. So with my workshops, there's three different aspects. The first being the dreams you create. And so the dream that you create, we're creating dream catchers. Dream catchers as a way to visualize this thing that you own right? Mm -hmm. Not always do you have this space where you can articulate what your dreams are. Mm -hmm. And not that you Mm -hmm. want to sit back and tell everybody, but it should be something that you can hold on to. And so having a dream catcher that you have up above your bed, that means that you go to sleep and wake up to it every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter if you had a good or a bad day, you always have something to look forward to. Second is, you know, journaling your journey. I don't necessarily think I have to explain the journaling portion of it, But the journey part of it is important because a lot of us, you know, I know for me, I carry around a lot of different notebooks. I have notebooks in every single bag, every room, every desk Uh where I'm working because I do what I call brain dumps. So I'm literally dumping out my brain of my ideas Uh and I'll go through and I'll circle out the things that kind of make sense for me in that moment. Um, But what's important to the journaling process um, is making sure you go back and identify the things that worked, the things that didn't work yeah. and the people who helped where you could use help moving forward. And really doing that over a course of period of time, what it does for you is that it puts you directly in your pilot seat, as I like to call it, right? Where every online guru right now is telling you, this is this is the, you know, antidote, this is the secret sauce to success. Yeah. But if you go through and journal your own journey, that is your story that is what's gonna put you into to success. And last is the power of the stitch. I personally teach crochet for two reasons. It's a theoretical empowerment, but also it's an economic empowerment. Mm. And theoretically, again, what I just mentioned before, the brain is really wired to, to operate in codes and patterns. right? And so if you put yourself in a space where you're doing something that it's following a pattern by hand, those come into actions and what they're doing is an empowering you to keep on going. Right. Theoretically, if you fall in love with stitching, whether it be crochet or, you know, whatever it may be, you can put yourself in direct position to start a business. Yep. You know, have your own version of yarn movement at some point, yeah. right? And in communities that we're going into is very important because sometimes these little girls are overlooked, mm-hmm. they're ignored, and just coming in to just do these three-part steps directly puts them in position to understand that I'm powerful. And it didn't require someone on the outside to help me discover it. Maybe it was a tool, but it's like I'm kind of like leading people to the water, you know, like you can shove their head in, but you know, they have to ultimately make the decision to to drink. And that is my passion project.
0: Man, Chantel, you're just on it, man. But for those, you know, not only does she can help you get your get you right with your business and your focus, but if you Want to you know learn to dream again or take your dream to the next level? Contact her, man, and story the brand she'll get you going. <laughs> so you're officially off the hot seat. So now, just how can folks find you on the internet? You know, on social media. Tell tell us your Instagram. Your okay. Facebook, so first,
1: YouTube. So my YouTube channel is Yarn Movement, and I want to say that because a part of the story, that I will just tell them, I'll believe in what you dream. Um, Our last activation, we went into East Africa and I worked with 3000 girls. And so there's a video there that kind of shows like our journey. We ended up installing, um, we did solar. I worked with a solar energy company but I was giving all the girls solar energy lamps and it's a really cool video. And then also it's a bunch of TikTok videos over there that are getting a bunch (laughs) of love. (laughs) Second, I would say Facebook, you know, um, yarn movement there and then Instagram. And if you're just interested in finding me on Instagram, you know, on my personal stuff, it's s.ladybugofficial. Otherwise, y'all move it. <laughs> You forgot
0: the most important plug, Chantel, the Story to Brand website.
1: Well, no. Well, Story to Brand, it was going to be the, the part that I ended off with when you're like, do you oh, have okay. anything else to say? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 but yes, yeah. But yeah, so I do have anything else to say. So everyone has a story. At story to brand we help you make it a great one. And so please visit wwwstorythenumber 2
0: Awesome, Chantel. No, thank you for your time today. <laughs> this has been a great interview in the winter days of January and this new year of 2021. You know, hopefully better days are ahead. We can get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, for those out there, thanks for rocking with me with the Blur Found the Stories hosted by myself, Darrell Austin. Until next time, peace out. All right. Take care.